I'm over here now. Pardon the interruption, no need for introduction. It's the drunken monk. Turn this shit up a little, son. My bucket up in smoke, sipping Bacardi till I'm giving my car keys to Jimmy Ferrari. And we out, about to go jump in a mosh pit full of hundreds of hot chicks saying something obnoxious like, I gotta put my foot in your ass permit. When I'm done, I'll cook you in a Brooklyn blast furnace. I would move heaven, hell, and anything in between to get to you. You wouldn't be safe anywhere if I was mad at you. And that's not bull, Dip, that's truth. I've went up against people. You could pull a gun on me, and if I'm mad at you, I'm coming forward. You'd have to shoot me to stop me. And if you don't kill me, you're stupid. So next time you see me, <laughs> I will kill you. Did you think of yourself as an assassin? Assassin? Sounds so exotic. <laughs> I was just a murderer. We were following this fellow. We pulled up at a, a red light. Came alongside of him <clears throat> and shot the shotgun, took his head off. He never saw the green light. He was pleased garden all over the place. So I told him he could have a half hour to pray to God. And if God could come down and change the circumstances, he'd have that time. But God never showed up. And he never changed the circumstances. That's one thing I shouldn't have done, that one. I shouldn't have done it that way. We're recording. Thank, thank you so much. For, thank you so much for your time, first of all. Second, this is... Uh, Volume seven of the isolation sessions of the Brooklyn Blast Furnace podcast. And this is a really cool thing for me personally because I'm fascinated by the whole, I guess you could say, subculture and all the, that, that true crime stuff I have been since I was a little kid. Um, so to have you on, it might sound cheesy, Dominic, but it's like an honor to be talking to you for real. Um, it's much appreciated, but I know it's not bullshit from you. So that's why when you, that's why when you first reached out, I was hesitant. And then I said, "Look, let me call my Italian friend here. Let me see." Yeah, and th and that was fucking awesome, man. Because I, I, this is this is how it happened, real quick. I um, I do this thing. Uh, it's called like an urban exploration thing, and it's it's through a bunch of friends and. It's no matter what you're into, whether it's like certain movie sites or maybe an iconic, I don't know, something that like a true crime spot or something. We'll go around and let's just say take a screenshot from like the movie Goodfellas, for instance, somewhere. 
and you go and you're like, all right. And then you try to find that exact spot where it was filmed. And then you go there now and you take a picture of what it is now. And you, and you kind of line up that screenshot with how it looks now. So it's kind of like a before and after in one shot. You know what I'm saying? Yes. So the other day I had it in my little folder on my phone of, I have a little, uh, a folder of places that I want to go and hit all these different spots. And one of them, it's been in my phone for a little while, happened to be in Dumont, New Jersey. So I'm like, you know what? I'm not working today. My girlfriend's not working because of this whole thing. So she's like, let's go to the Iceman's house. All right. So let's drive to Jersey. And there's a picture of him. I guess it looks like from the 70s, maybe early 80s. And he's standing there with his two daughters in his driveway. So we went to his house and... I stood in his driveway and I saw the angle and I took those pictures and I lined it up because the house across the street is still there. It's just a different color. It's all the same. And then I uploaded it to the group on Facebook of this urban exploration thing. And it started a whole chat and comments about this and that. And then I don't know why I just popped in my head. I simply Googled man who took down the Iceman and you came up and then I'm like, you know what? Maybe he has a Facebook page. I don't know. So I went to Facebook. I looked you up. We had no mutual friends on there, but I was like, fuck it. I'm going to send him a friend request. Doubt he'll even doubt he'll even accept it. Next day, you accepted it, and I sent you the message, and it was as simple as that. I was like, holy shit, this is fucking cool, man. So, <laughs> you know, it's... Yes, I grew up around a lot of that stuff, and I've always been fascinated with true crime. And I know that in the movies and all that stuff, it's completely glorified. I know all that. But there's just something about it that I find interesting and always have. So, like I said again, to have you, Mr. Dominic Holofrone, on my little show here is an awesome thing for me personally. So, once again, thank you. Call me Dom. Dom. I call you Dom on regular phone calls, so I, I'm just I'm being a little bit more formal here. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, retired ATF special agent, um, which it's unbelievable to me from an outsider looking in how you actually were the man responsible for taking down the Iceman Richard Kuklinski. But what I also find crazy and like balls of steel like my hat goes off to you but it's like you infiltrated all five families in new york that i think is more mind-blowing than the kuklinski thing for some weird reason i mean kuklinski is because he's infamous because his you know the Iceman interviews and all that stuff so everyone more knows more about that i think but since I grew up around a lot of that stuff. Personally, the five families, that was a case in itself. I mean, really just dealing with made guys. Uh, no street people, maybe here and there stragglers, but uh, it was one-on-one with made guys. It was unbelievable. And okay. The experience I learned was like phenomenal, and the person they put on the witness protection program, unbelievable. Uh, right. He took a liking to me, and 
after the interviews with the organized crime from New York City and the chief of detectives, uh, they felt that I would fit the part to work with him. And uh, right after that, that night in New York, we went to Queens and I'm not going to drop names, but we met a couple of great guys and I rented sold off shotguns that night out in Queens. And these were from made people. And from there, I just worked my way through the system for all, uh, with all five families and uh, real fortunate. And it's funny because the fellow I was with, we said, you know, he says, they call these guys wise guys. He goes, you want to know the truth, Don? He says, they're really known as a good fellow. And, yeah. and lo and behold, what comes out years later? The movie. Yeah. And uh, it was unbelievable. Unbelievable. The Kuklinski case, you got to remember, took off like a bat of hell after the arrest. I'm People, sure. There was something unusual how we killed. He killed with pure cyanide. Right. Like nobody figured, you know, hey, when they did the autopsy, they didn't look for any poisons like that. Of course Until not. Until he got the baton involved. And then uh, he did a book uh, also mentioning the case because they never looked for it before. Right. And, and Kuklinski was very methodical how he killed. Right. And when I tell you that Kuklinski, that's the fucking devil. Okay. Can, that, that, can we let's let's take it let's can we, let's go back a little bit if you don't mind. Um, obviously nothing personal, but like you know, kind of like where you grew up, what you were around, your kind of like your upbringing, I guess you know, into your career and then we go into your ATF career and then to Kuklinski all the way through, if you don't mind. I grew up in Hackensack, New Jersey. Okay. Uh, my father uh, worked construction seven days a week. Uh, I used to deliver milk before high school. I was earning $7 a, a week there. I would deliver the milk between 3.30 in the morning till 6 o'clock, go home, shower, and go to school. All right. And while I'm doing this, I found change in the milk bottles, and I asked the driver, said, what's this? And he says, those are numbers. I said, what do you mean numbers? And he explained to me how you play it. So then I started learning about the numbers. So I was collecting the numbers, delivering the milk. I was making $7 a week delivering the milk. The bookies were giving me an extra $7 to collect the numbers. So I was making $14 a week. I was loaded back then. Oh, yeah, you are. You didn't have more money than what you, what you knew how to do with. Yeah. It was great. Yeah. And uh, I remember my father telling me, man, when I used to go work with him construction, and, you know, no days off. I said, man, and he used to have the sandwiches, the, the, the broccoli and eggs with the sandwiches, you know, that's uh, what we had at that well, time. And he said, listen, either you go to school or you work to pick seven days a week. Oof. So I thought it might be easy, you know. So he takes me on a job. And from 6 o'clock in the morning, man, till almost 5 in the afternoon, swinging John Henry, man, I said, that's it. So I decided to go to college. Went out to University of Nebraska in Omaha. I was very fortunate. Got in a lot of trouble there. But... The director for the police department said, look, you got to take electives. So you're going to start taking some criminology cases. And I said, okay. 
I really got into that. And I changed my majors from uh, education to uh, criminology. Okay. Prior to me graduating, I was a uh, little All-American O-linebacker all out there. It was uh, Southeast District Heavyweight Golden Gloves champion. Wow, and, look at you. Uh, you, you. You got hands, huh? I got hands, brother. And that's your fly. And then uh, I used to work out at a place called the Foxhole. And Ron Stander, who fought Joe Frazier for the heavyweight championship out in Omaha. And uh, we used to hang out at this place called the Foxhole. And the Quarry Brothers would come there, too. They were nuts. They were crazy people. <laughs> and um, did my thing. And I decided to come back after I graduated. I graduated with a Bachelor of Science in uh, Law Enforcement and Corrections. So I came back. I uh, substitute teaching for a while back at Hackensack High. Then I uh, was hired by the Bergen County Prosecutor's Office in New Jersey. I was there for five years. I started off doing undercover work, narcotics and everything. Went to uh, uh, vice squad, uh, you name it, and uh, homicide. Learned, learned a little bit about everything. But I wanted to see what the government was. What but, was your What was your first undercover job like? I'm going to tell you. When I first went to the prosecutor's office, I had to go meet a dealer. So I meet him in his apartment. I go upstairs, and this is the God's honest truth, because you're going to remember your first one. That's why I wanted to know what you were As feeling. I go in, the TV's on, and there's snow, you know, on the TV. Yeah. And he's going, man, he says, check this out. Isn't that, isn't that awesome? I'm looking at it. There ain't a fucking thing on the TV but the snow. <laughs> yeah. I'm saying, what? And I'm looking, and he is high as a kite, man. And he's walking. I said, man, I, I don't take it. I just sell it, you know? He says, man, you got, you got a trip with me. I said, no, 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 I'm not into that. I said, you know, but the funny part was I did what I had to do, you know, and, uh, but to come in there, spent a good 45 minutes watching the TV and just snow. There was nothing on the TV, him telling me about the program that was on. Yeah, nice. <laughs> you he know, was so that was, was the start. And then it just snowballed and, uh, Worked from there, and then after the prosecutor's office, uh, I wanted to see the difference between what the state was and, and the federal government. And I really enjoyed working at the Bergen County Prosecutor's Office. Excellent learning experience. I loved the people there. And plus, I'm from the area. I knew all the players, and you know, we had that fine line that we drew, and you know, from the neighborhood, because I was. All Italian neighborhood there, and um, so you grow you grow up around a lot of that stuff. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the older guys, the older guys used to take care of me, and it's funny when I became with the when I did go with the feds, one hand washed the other. You know what I'm saying? Sure. So I needed anything, there was no problems. Something went down, it came to me. So right. you know, there, yeah. there's a lot of stuff that uh, you learn, you keep it in the back of your mind, and you use what you think is right for you. Right. you know, I don't overstep my bounds. 
you know, I don't fuck their ladies, I don't do cocaine, you know, I don't play none of that shit. They know right up front when I when I even meet the bad guys, yeah. and uh, and they respect that. So yeah. don't try to beat around the bush. You tell yeah. it like it is, and they'll yeah. respect you. Yeah. So when I went with the feds, the only thing, the difference was there was more bullshit on the federal level than was on the state. That was the only freaking difference, and you had more leeway in travel. You know, yeah. was, probably, probably po politics and red tape and paperwork and shit. No. Yeah, a lot of bullshit. But yeah. when I went down to the academy, <laughs> I became the outstanding special agent. Uh, man, I was rocking and rolling. I felt I was real ahead of the game because what I learned from the prosecutor's office and all these different scenarios, writing yeah. search warrants and doing a lot of different things. So it came easy. And it came easy working the streets because I was from the neighborhood, you know? All the old men used to sit outside when I was a young kid at the uh -huh. CC Hall. There'd be the pool tables down there, they'd have the drinks out, and they'd have the pocket chains with the fedoras on. Nice. <laughs> That's so awesome. they see me come around and say, oh, what are you doing? <laughs> Staying out of trouble. Staying out of trouble. But I did get in trouble when I was, uh, I think it was 13. They took the key away. It was a gang war. I was uh, put in a home uh, a couple of weeks. But I got straightened out. Yeah. You learned your lesson early. Yeah, kind of. Good. Kind of. You know what? Like, uh, there's that why in the road, man. Which one are you going to take? Right. Well, coming from where you came from and seeing what you saw and all the people you were around, you could you could have very, very easily taken that road. It was a great neighborhood. It wasn't a bad. Let me tell you something. Everybody took care of one another there. Oh, I'm sure. Well, you know, you know what? That that was another thing. Like Brooklyn. Oh, this like I, I lived for years. We we had a conversation yesterday on the phone. You know, I lived in Howard Beach, and that neighborhood is still to this day is still good. But, like, all around here, all up the block, Bath Avenue, all that stuff, like, back in the day, like, those guys kept the neighborhood, quote-unquote, safe for the most part. You know, they kept all the riffraff out. It was always, you know, if you didn't get involved, they left you alone. You know what I mean? As I never had, like, sympathy, really, for, like, the guy who's gambling his, his mortgage away, and then he goes to a guy you know, to, to borrow money and then he does it and then he gets his legs broken. But you know what you're getting into, you know, they, like that guy didn't come to you and say, listen, you need to take money. You know what I mean? So I never really had sympathy for those people, but you know what you're getting into. But basically the neighborhoods were quiet for the most part. You know what I mean? I remember, I remember when I was working on Bath Avenue in Brooklyn that uh, I remember the the wise guys tell me, first thing we do when we hijack a truck, first thing, we take care of the neighborhood. Yeah. Here's the dresses, here's the suits, here's the food. And yeah. then when the bulls would come by, the police would come by, I don't know nothing. I didn't see nothing. Right. What are you talking right. Yeah, everybody, 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 everybody has, has, has things that fell off a truck. They're wearing it, they're drinking it and everything. They don't know nothing. That's it. <laughs> that's great, but, but that's how you, that's how it works, and everyone kept that's their mouth shut. Yeah. yeah, it's funny. Very it's very true. That's in the movies and shit, but that really happened. So. Yeah, yeah. Oh man, so you had a knack. I mean, I mean, I guess I don't know. I could be wrong, but I guess other 
cops or whatever might might have a specialty in something else that you might not be so you know proficient in but obviously you had a knack for undercover which i partner that took me in when i first went with atf his name is alex diatri from and we became very close to this day we're very close and believe me he nurtured took me in and i learned quite a bit from him um like my brother, he's good people, and uh, you know we did. Uh, we used to get stopped every time we were in a Cadillac on Lincoln. They can't believe there were two cops. You know yeah. they know we were two bad guys all the time. Of course, well, it's stereotypical, man. Yeah, either yeah. the big Lincoln or the Cadillac. Of course. I know. You know, we, we had some good times. I'm sure you did. I'm sure. Yeah. But yeah, it's 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 not like I can't. I mean, listen, I, I'm I'm not an undercover cop, so I don't know these things. I just I just have ideas, and I could be completely wrong. But it's like I'm guessing since you kind of had that in you, you know, you're, you're you're Italian, you're from the neighborhood, you you know, so you grew up around that stuff. So you didn't have to really put on too much of an act, I wouldn't think, would you? I didn't put any act on. I was myself. I, right. You, you, you become yourself. The only thing I changed was I used to meet, I met Tony Provenzano when I was a kid and at my uncle's place. So later on, that's the name I used on my license and undercover was uh, Dominic Michael Provenzano. Yeah. And I used that. And, uh, but a lot of people, you know, I'm going to play this part. I'm going to act this way. Listen, just be your fucking self. Right. You know, they can read you. If they can't read you, then they're a fucking idiot. Right. That's the truth. You got to understand. You got to know when to back off and when to come on strong. So you got to know. You got to play the game. And when I mean play the game, if you're going to meet somebody, okay, it's all due respect. Hey, listen, you know, try this. I'm not into it. Right. You understand me? I'm I don't want no part of that. They respect you, you know? Right. Instead yep. of trying to bullshit them, I tell it like it is. I always have... And uh, I rocked and rolled all the way across. Jesus Christ. So now, yeah. So, so, so. so I'm going to tell you, I'm doing, I'm doing bear bonds on consignment in a restaurant. It used to be called September's in, on 2nd Avenue, I think, in Manhattan. Okay. And I did meet these guys and. I walk in and there they are with a couple of broads. Now I'm sitting down and he's looking at me and we're just doing general conversation and woman gets up and she starts going like this here. I grab her hand and I said, get your fucking hands off my shoulders. Don't ever fucking touch me. So he turns around and says, well, how do I know you're not a cop? I said, if you don't want to do fucking business, I walk out. I said, there's no problem. He says, but I don't know. I said, get the fuck up. I get up. I start taking my clothes off. I take off my pants. I'm going down like this. This is the truth. He goes, whoa. And people are looking at me. I'm going, hey, get the fuck up and start undressing. I don't know if you got a wire on. Yeah. He goes, sit down. Man. Sit down. Sit down. Give him the bear bonds. Oh, shit. Yeah. <laughs> I was wired. Yeah. Fuck. So, Jesus Christ. 
Yeah, man. So you do Arabons. It's a, that's 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 insane too. Like, how do you? How do you is it inside guy? It's it's so it's. I find it so fascinating. Guns were my thing, man. Guns, I bought tons of weapons, all different types, explosives, pipe bombs, uh, dynamite. Uh, offered to do contract hits, uh, swag, uh, stolen property, getting heroin on consignment, uh, into everything. I used to meet people at the Meadowlands racetrack, Harry the Pick. Harry the Pick worked for the mob. He would travel all over the country. Harry's, the mob would hire Harry. He can open any safe, any safe. He gets 10%, no matter what's in the, in, in the safes. And he told me how he did jobs in Queens. And it was amazing, the network. Harry the, Harry the Pick was a safe cracker, huh? Harry the Pick. Unbelievable, Harry the Pick, yeah. Oh, yeah. my God. So now, yeah. we, we, at this Juju, time. There was a guy named Juju Ramon. This guy was bad. He gave me heroin right on consignment. This guy was from Brooklyn. Big guy was on a land. And then I met, I go on, I mean, with all these guys, you know, it was one of them things. Yeah. Doing it. At, at this point, were you were you still basically within the five boroughs still? Or were you up in Jersey yeah, as well? Um, I was still in the five boroughs. Five you boroughs of Long Island. I didn't realize uh, there were so many people that were going to go down. The Frankie Motorcycle. This guy was with the uh, Hells Angels and stuff. He would supply the mob with uh, dynamite and do certain things for them. And then sometimes I would go to Astoria, Queens uh, for the Greeks. The Greeks would have a private showing upstairs in, a, in, a, in this location in Astoria. This is great. I walk up in there. You walk up the foyer and you go up these flight of stairs. There's two big bodyguards. They let you in and Petro, he was like a Greek godfather there. And they were playing Babook. They scam money everywhere. And broads were just dressed in this see-through uh, gowns and stuff, all the drinks. The diner owners, all the Greek diner owners from Jersey, a lot of them, and from New York, would meet there and play this Babook game from, Jesus Christ, from like one o'clock in the morning till seven in the, oh, seven in the morning. And they offered me to, <laughs> uh, to pipe bomb the Claremont Diner on, uh, on that was on Route 3 and uh, I think Clifton. And yeah. A lot of, there were so many different connections. Uh, they, all, they, offer, they offered you to pipe bomb the diner. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but I, I, told, I didn't want the contract. Right. Just, they did torture though down the road. You know, fucking, I mean, there's guys, guys did heavy, heavy time, man, just getting out of prison. And I'm meeting through all these different connections that I make in myself. I'm real good at, listen, you introduce me to you, okay, and I'm meeting with you, and we do our thing, and I'm buying, I got enough on you to send you away till they pump your daylight. So what I'm saying to you is, hey, listen, I go to the next guy's, listen, I don't want to deal with Jimmy, man, you know. We made enough of money, you know, and he gets a piece of the action. And I start dealing with him. Same routine. They go right through the alphabet, man. By the time we take somebody off in the middle, they're going to know who the fuck. I did who, who's the undercover, who's not, who's the rat. They can't figure nothing out. And right. most of them, to be honest with you, were cooperating. 
Most of them, huh? Even back yeah. then, huh? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, because now, now then you'll you'll hear the sentiments now, like, oh, everybody's a rat now. No one keeps their mouth shut. But that was still happening back then too. Well, absolutely, okay. But more since the Rico statue came in, because once that Rico statue came in, they own you, man. Because they're bringing crimes in as you continuing enterprise from way back went to the present, and there's no way you want to do twenty years in a 12 by 12 cell, no. you know, there's just no fucking way. You right. know, you do it, the only person who did that, really, was John Gotti. Kept his fucking mouth shut and did what he had to do. And Samuel Bull, another, he's a mutt. He's a fucking mutt. The guy, you want to go after John Gotti to get, to get John Gotti and you let a guy walk that did 19 murders, 19 fucking hits. And then yeah. they want to Later on, because of the Kuklinski case, did he kill his cop, Calabria? Okay, that was a New York City cop. And, and what happened was he married, they say, into a family. Okay? And what happened was the wife mysteriously drowns. Okay. Later on, a contract was put on him in Upper Saddle River, New Jersey. He's blown away. And then it's alleged that uh, Sammy the Bull supplied the sort of shotgun to Kaplinsky to blow the guy away. Who knows? Who knows? Different connections, you know? Yeah. So, so yeah, I mean, you're right. I mean, I saw you commented on the thing because I went to, what was it, Papa Vero Funeral Home, where, where Gotti was. when they You saw that picture of yeah. where they're taking the, yeah, I went there yeah. the other day. And, uh. Yeah, I didn't realize it's like he would, I mean, he went to prison in what, like 91, I think he went in, he went away, something like that. Because I remember the whole trial, we were living in Howard Beach at the time, the whole neighborhood was insane, there was news vans everywhere. But um, I remember that, and I didn't realize, yeah, I mean, he died in 2002, 2004, something like that. But regardless, he did 20 years, kept his mouth shut, and... But I think, I think that got overshadowed for me in my own head, because... I think I think we could all agree that he liked the camera too much and he talked too much before he went away. That's a gimme. That, that's right. no question about it. Right. Worst fault, you know. But the other thing for letting Sammy the Bull, then he does 18 years. He gets out. He keeps all his money. And then he had something on MTV with his family he hasn't seen. I don't know if you happen to see that. I'm saying this is bullshit. Yeah. You know, this guy, this guy deserves the chair. He really does. Yeah. Yeah. You know, fuck a mama look for him. Yeah. And then, well, and then he, there was that show Mob Wives where his daughter yeah. was on it and all that nonsense. Yeah. I was like, what a mockery, man. It so, it's a mockery. But then, like, then he he went away. He even went away from running like an ecstasy ring in Arizona. He wound up in jail. He, he was on the protection program. He yeah. went him in Arizona, so he formed his own little enterprise. Then he starts doing narcotics. He says, "What do you think? These U.S. marshals and police are stupid." Finally, <laughs> they take him down. Yeah. And then he does what? 18, 18 years, and then uh, he's out. You know, he still got his money. They didn't take any of that away. But he walks away with uh, a clip of nineteen people. It's crazy. No way. Yeah. 
It's all because the stabbing, because because everybody knows. Well, maybe not everybody who's listening or watching knows. It's like because John Gotti made like a mockery out of the justice yeah. system. You know, he got off when they thought they had him several times. Hey, they were badass people. Don't get me wrong, man. You, you know, you didn't play around. You screwed with them. You know, you know the consequences. So, you oh, know, ahead again. When you get into that game, you better understand. You take a loan out, they own you for fucking life. Yeah. You just don't walk away. You don't. You know? They like the fast life, man. Man, one day I got 10 grand in my pocket, the next day I'm broke. You know, they're with the commodities, they spend it, and then the next day they have nothing. You know? So. Yeah. Which is on. To each his own. But a lot of people don't realize it because people just go by the movies, you know? Yeah, the movies is only talking about one aspect of your vision and you're seeing just, you know, the glorified things and stuff. But, man, let me tell you something. You hang out with these son of a bitches, man. You got to keep, you, you got to make sure that you have your shit together, man. That's, that's what I'm saying. And you couldn't put anybody that didn't have experience to work a case like a constant. I had over 15 years experience in the streets. You don't put a neophyte in there. You'll fucking put him in a heartbeat, you know? And him, when I first meet him, I mean, this guy, you know, he grew like a, like the Jolly Green Giant. When the first time I met him, after a year and a half, hanging out at this store where all these wise guys hung out, and uh, he gets out of that Camaro, man, he just kept growing. That fucking guy had these tinged glasses like he was reaching into my soul. I'm going to fucking argue. Well, he didn't get to my fucking soul, you know. Yeah. And, uh, we well, he was, I mean, what was he, like 6'4", six, 6'5", six, 300 pounds? Like, that's his that's big, big guy. And he wore these glasses. When I tell you, he looked right through you. When I saw him get out of the car, I got out of my weekend, and I'm looking at him. This is our first meeting, you know. We, you know, hey, how you doing? We go around the counter in, in the donut shop. And we started talking generalities, and then he finally says to me, uh, how you doing with cocaine? I said, I don't use it. He goes, no, what can you get a key for? This is our first conversation. I said, I, it was going around 28,000, 30,000 or something, a key. He said, well, he said, I can get a little cheaper than that. I said, well, then go with your guy and get it. He goes, well, you know, I don't know if I can trust my guy. I looked at him and said, well, you're a fucking asshole if you can't trust a guy. You don't deal with people you don't trust. I swear. He turned around and he looked at me like you wouldn't believe. Like for five seconds, man, he just, and I'm looking at him and he finally says, you know, you're right. And I said, you fucking am right. But when he said that, something inside of me said, as crazy as it sounds, I got this guy. I, I, I got him right by the ball. I got him where I want him. And I, that's how comfortable I felt. And then he says, can you get pure cyanide? Not rap voice and you go to hardware store. I need pure cyanide. This was, the same, this was the same first conversation? This is the first conversation. Wow. First conversation. So I said to him, well, one deal, you know, you got to show good faith to me. He goes, what's that? I said, bang, bang, I'm in the steel business. He goes, what do you mean? I said, I want something nice and quiet. He goes, okay. So we agreed before I would turn over the cyanide to him that he would deliver me a nice high standard 22 caliber pistol with a silencer fixed to it. Okay. And which he did. 
And then we started having conversations and how we murdered people and how we put a guy in a freezer for two years and how one guy uh, threatened him and said he was, you know, wanted, wanted Kukuski to kill his family, one of, the, one of his crew. And uh, he says, and I know where you live. Kukuski took out the 38, shot him five times in the chest and put him in the barrel, cut the legs, you know, because of river mortars and left him there near Harry's corner. And one guy he froze, another guy he met at the York Motel. Uh, was, Harry's, was Harry's Corner the place where you met him? Was that the place? No, no. I met Kuklinski. There was a store in Patterson, New Jersey, where the wise guys hung out. Okay. Everything that was hijacked and stuff, they were real smart. Whether it was, let's say, coffee, cans of coffee, or watches. they take one or two watches and put it on the shelf. Okay, the rest would be put at a different location. So when the guys came in and they looked at the watch or they looked at the, the uh, coffee, he says, listen, how much do you have? He says, we've got a couple of cases. So you give them the money, you meet them at a location because if the cops come in and they got two of the two coffees or two little watches here and they say, well, how are they going to get a misdemeanor? You're going to get a slap on the hand. So they keep the real booty somewhere else. They take the player they meet and then they pay them pay the rest off, they take the load, and they go somewhere else. Oh, they had, God. They had everything covered. Unreal. Unbelievable. Yeah. So, so it's like, now, I know that there's, there's not even a number, I don't think, but how many, I mean, he claims several different things in the Iceman interviews. How many people do you think Klinsky actually clipped? My own opinion? Yes. No more than 10. I'll go 15. Really? Uh, that's me. Okay. I know exactly he murdered five. That I know a fact. I know there were other people in between, in between that something might have happened or he did for other individuals. But here's what happened. When HBO put all that out, he became a celebrity, this guy. Yes. Their ratings went through the roof. Without a doubt. When I walked into HBO, they had big pictures, billboards of Kuklinski. I, I'm not kidding you. I believe, I absolutely believe you. And I'm saying, you got to be kidding me. And they loved him. Every time he did something HBO, the ratings went through the roof. I mean, skyrocketed. The first undercover one they did with me, that, that was a, like a trial, and that went through the roof. That that opened up doors because it was really a truly undercover operation regarding Kuklinski. And it was never done before like that. And that just blossomed and took off like crazy. And then all different networks and other uh, TV programs are doing the same all over. Still today, and I still get uh, emails, letters, and uh, different messages from people from all across the country. Uh, it's, they're into it like, it's unbelievable, like a, like a cult following. And right. sometimes some friends would call me up and say, Don, did you see this on the internet? I said, nah, what? Because I don't really go in to look up Kuklinski anymore or anything like that. And I said, listen, right. there's, there's one where they have you a picture and it's a macabre song about Kuklinski and I should have been killed. I was the rat. 
he was the hero. I sh he should have never went to jail. I mean, there's followers that you wouldn't believe. Yeah, you know, they, it's crazy. It's just wild. Yeah, unbelievable. So yeah, because I know that in the and I don't know if it was the the one that he did. I think it was one of the the last ones where he was with the psychiatrist or psychologist. Yeah, he. he I, his 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 own numbers changed drastically because in like the first one he's saying you know uh, you know about a hundred people he killed maybe more blah 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 and then the last one the one with the with the doctor he's telling him I killed probably a hundred people before I even quote unquote knew anybody so right there I was kind of like nah, I think he's uh making you know, he's embellishing it because he's probably bored. So he, he likes the cameras because, you know, he could talk to somebody and he could, like, trump up his own story. You Which know? he did. And they loved that. Today, did he really do this? Listen, I don't know if he really did that. I can tell you exactly what I have, the knowledge of what he did. I can right. prove that. Other things he would tell me, the tapes, the undercover tapes, um, was so um, prejudicial, Okay that you, you, they had to redact it because the conversations that we had in there, when I first signed up for this case, I used to work for the prosecutor's office, remember? I told you that. Mm -hmm. So Bergen calls me back while I'm with ATF and I did a lot of different undercover operations. So I meet there and they, one of the troopers was there also and they're looking for an undercover that has a lot of experience to me. Richard Kuklinski, this is what he does. Sometimes on, a, on an individual, you've got a lot of information, and sometimes you just have a nickname. With him, they had everything. Locations, who he met, last person he met, how they disappeared, but they only had circumstantial evidence, nothing direct. They needed him to tell me how he murdered these individuals. And uh. Fucking that. Don't ask me how. I don't know how. But Jesus Christ. That, it's, 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 it's like fucking mind-blowing to me, man. So I had to find out on each murder how he murdered them from his lips. Not me telling them, from his lips. And after we had the first meeting, I told you, at the donut shop, and we met several more times, he was telling me how he murdered people like the one that he froze, okay, for two years. Like he said, I made the cops look like idiots. I said, what do you mean? He says, where there's smoke, there's fire. He says, I had this guy in a freezer for two years. He said, I dumped the body. He says, the cops go find him. He says, he looked like he's only dead a week because the body didn't decompose. Right. Had exactly the same exact clothes on two years ago to the day they found him. And when they did the autopsy, then they found ice tissues in the body, yeah. okay? And the body was dumped, I think, either August or September. So how can there be ice yeah. in the tissues? You know, red light, you know? Yeah, of course. And it must, it must have been, I mean, if it's, I mean, August, September, that's obviously the summertime. It's probably warm outside. So somebody found that body relatively so, quick after it was dumped. Yeah, some joggers or something found it. Then there were other individuals, I mean, he told me how he murdered them at the 
at the hotel by putting a boost. He used to call it a boost, you know, with the sign, the sign. Sometimes when you said I'd like to put in a spray or I'd put it on the food. He yeah. says, and you watch him go back. He says, I'm sitting there at the hotel now. He goes, he says, I'm giving it to him. He says, and he's he's laughing. He says, he's on, this is on tape. He's almost got a constitution of a fucking bull. I'm looking at him and he's laughing. And he says, as he's eating, he's almost ate the whole fucking burger. He says, and then finally his eyes roll back. Oh, laughing. His crew is dead, you know. He lays back on the bed. They get the lamp cord and they strangle him also. Then they put the body under the bed. And at the York Motel, it was where you take prostitutes, you know, one night stands or whatever. Yeah. And the stench after a while became outrageous. And finally, they really took a good look and they look under the mattress. <laughs> and there's the body that's been there for a couple of weeks. And what was that? The York Hotel, you said? Yeah, the York Motel on Route 3. And then, Is it still there or no? It's gone now. It's probably yeah. long gone. Yeah. And then, uh, you know, just how he murdered people. He enjoyed it. If you can actually see his face and how he used to uh, describe it to me. Because I said to him, I said, Rich, I said, what is this with this pure sign that I said, you know, I fucking whack on me, he goes, you know, I said, to get the conversation, well, we're meeting at the Vince Lombardi service station. We talk, bullshit, you know, and see what the progress is going on with my pure cyanide and all that. And, well, I said, I can get it and all that. And, you know, he's trusting me because I just paid him a large sum of money for the uh, 22 caliber silencer with the, with the weapon. So he's feeling comfortable. Then we're going to do other jobs together we're talking about. And then uh, he would tell me, he says, you know, he says, he says, you got to understand with the pure sign that he goes, it's nice and quick. There's no mess. He goes, but you got to remember the but. I said, what's that? He goes, if your client wants them to, you know, look a little different, you know, make it messy, he says, no problem. You cut their tongue out, you stick it up their ass. You know, that's a message they get back. Or you get the canary and you put it in the mouth. He says, I'm sorry. He says, but I tell him, my way is so simple. But they're paying me to make the guy look bad or to make a statement. I do it. Yeah. He says, no problem. And he says, that's the best thing in the world. He says, he used to go down to places, used to spray, put a boost. He says, people would just bring it in and fall to the ground like they had a heart attack and he would walk by and say, yeah, this stuff really works. And the chemist that he got rid of too, you know, Mr. Softy taught him how to kill people. Uh, I think it was from Cliffside or up there in uh, Berkeley. There's the ice cream man. Yeah, the ice cream man. That's insane. He taught, he taught him how to use the, use the chemicals and how to freeze bodies and what to do. <laughs> it was like, you know, yeah, I remember, remember Kuklinski saying that as well. He was talking about Mr. Softy, and he was like, yeah, you know, he would drive around, he would sell ice cream to the kids, and then maybe later on kill one of those kids' fathers. I'm like, yo, like, this is fucking crazy, man. I know. Uh, matter of fact, I've seen some notes uh, that people have come to me at certain talks that I've given at colleges where they told me that they were related to some of the victims. And uh, amazing what they've shown me. Uh, 
about what they went through and everything, you know, with this guy. Yeah, and how he murdered them. And, you know, it's it was just some type of case that's just, you know, way, way to the right there because now I got to extract from him how he murdered five people, which I did get on all cases, you know, how he murdered each individual. And uh, they put it with that circumstantial evidence and he was dead in the water. He was yeah. dead in the water. Have you, were you, was this, was this at the time, did you, did you ever meet Roy DeMeo or no? No, I never met Roy DeMeo. Then Roy DeMeo winds up dead. Right. They found him in the trunk on Emmett's Avenue, right? Sheep's at Bay. Yeah. But he used to hang, would hang out at the um, Gemini Lounge. I've been there. Or something else now in Brooklyn, but it was the Gemini Lounge where Kukulski would go there and meet with them guys. It's a church. And, yeah. It's a and church Kukul it's a church? Yep. Yep. It's, it's, I believe it's like a West Indian or Caribbean, like Jamaican church. It's on Troy <laughs> Avenue and like Flatland, Flatlands or something like that. I've been there. I, 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 oh my God. I'll send you a picture. Afterward, I'll, te I'll text you some pictures of what it looks like then and now. Like, cause I went to that spot to, do my whole little picture lineup thing because it's the Gemini Lounge. Yeah, it's still yeah. there. And it is actually a church, man. Well, you know, remember the, if you watch The Sopranos where they used to cut up the bodies in the bathtub? That's what they did up in the Gemini Lounge. Without a doubt. I mean, you know, and this whole crew up there, man, that, that was a bad crew of the man. And murder the machine. was indictment for 64 murders, I believe, by himself. DeMeo, yep. Yeah, you know, until later on they found him in a trunk shot to death. Yeah, yeah, he's in uh, he's in St. John Cemetery. I saw his tombstone. I love I, I love this morbid shit, man. I visit all these places, all these true crime spots, all the, you know, everybody from Vito Genovese's grave to Gotti's to you know, uh, I was gonna say Lucania, but uh, come on, let's <laughs> see, I'm fucking uh, Luciano. Jesus Christ! Oh, lucky him. Yeah, I know all these guys are buried. I, I, I've been to, like, all the... There's one that I can't find, because I can't find the exact... I know what section it is, but he's old, old, old school guy. Salvatore Maranzano. I can't find Oh, Maranzano. Wow. Yeah, but that's yeah. the only one I can't find. I found everyone else. Wow. Yeah. yeah I'm interesting in a very morbid way, but I understand what goes into it. It's not a nice thing, but I just find it... I don't know. I've always been interested in this shit. Well, it's funny. I didn't know I was going this room. Believe me, I wanted to be a teacher, work with kids, help kids, and then it just went. Yeah, you said you, you, but, said you were a substitute teacher for a little while. <laughs> yeah, it's not my bag anymore. It's just, you know, I, I just, I had a great life. Hope I continue. You know, it's just, is what it is. Yeah, I mean, you, I mean, you're, you're fucking fortunate, man. I mean, I'm thinking, you know, I was talking, you know, to my girlfriend and a couple of friends of mine. I'm like, how is it possible that, like, this guy, I mean, I know it's possible, but how does it work that you're able to go from the five boroughs and all over the place and meet, with, sit down with made guys and have machine guns and every kind of drug and everything, silencers, everything on consignment, and take people down and then wind up, 
right over the water where you can see Manhattan. Yeah. To be in with Kuklinski and those people. Like, that's got to be like. Tell me about it. I know. And yeah, it, it, it's. Because everybody. Six degrees of separation, at least, and everyone's got to know somebody who knows something and something. You know, what I mean? it's just—it's crazy. Don't believe me, I was supposed to be somewhere else. I'm fortunate that I got back from where I belong, you know. But it just happened to be that path, and whatever. I guess the good Lord took me, and and uh, hopefully he's still watching over me because a lot of people told me. Oh, man, I don't know how you keep going. That rope keeps going and it keeps going and keeps going. When is that going to be pulled? Right. Knock on wood. I've been real fortunate. So, yeah. you know. So, so how did how did the um? I won't I won't hold you hostage that much long. Maybe like another ten more minutes. But um, if if you want. But um, how did how did you get approached as far as like were were you like what's the word I'm looking for? Like, uh, how did you get involved with the movie with Michael Shannon? Did they like, were you like a consultant or whatever or something like that with the book and the movie adaptation? No, I wasn't a consultant, but the author Anthony Bruno, who I've become very close with, uh, he tried to get me into that. Um, and Ariel, the one of the producer, uh, he just wanted to go with Kuklinski on that side. And uh, what had really happened was I went, they made me go to the uh, premiere with the uh, critics and I was disguised. And I'm sitting there and they told me, don't say a word. I'm sitting there and when the movie was in, they said, listen, where is more of, we wanted more of the undercover. You know, Kuklinski does his thing, the undercover does. We're playing this cat and mouse game because it's so close proximity. He's still doing stuff undercover. This guy's still killing people. And then once we meet, you know, they wanted it that way. And uh, he got a lot of criticism uh, there, but he says, I'm going with, you know, what he wanted to do. Yeah. So J.G. Anon, who plays me at the end, he's real close with the Boston actors uh, there. Uh, and uh, worked with The Departed and all that, and uh, he played me, he reached out to me. Uh, he called headquarters and told them he was playing me in a part, so headquarters reached out for me, and I was retired at the time, and said, listen, this actor's trying to get a hold of you. Uh, here's his number. So I called him. He goes, Jesus, I've been trying to get a hold of you. I, last resort was trying to go to ATF headquarters, and so finally they gave me my number and we talked and uh, he said, listen, we met a couple of times and he took me to the movie Safe a couple of times, premiere that they had. And then uh, they took me, they wanted me to go to the red carpet with Michael Shannon and all that. And uh, it's funny because doing that red carpet was great. They treated me phenomenal. And uh, Michael Shannon, Ray Liotta, just, Love Larry. Yeah. And uh, let me tell you something. I'm sitting down and the actor comes and says, listen, there's this woman wants to meet you and she knows all about you and you have to meet with her. And I said, what, what woman? Come with me. I go. She goes, Dominic, she goes, you know DiCaprio? I said, yeah. Leonardo? I said, yeah. I'm his mother. 
No so shit. I said, it's a pleasure to meet you. She goes, well, I want to tell you something. She goes, I read about you. I know everything about the story. I think it's phenomenal. She goes, I wish they would have put it on the Southern Avenue, which was nice of her. I yeah, said, I back right. there and stuff. Yeah, it was really an honor. And um, it was a nice night that night. We had a great time. Yeah. Yeah, it was, you know, so, and then I've been, you know, giving talks and. Yeah, I, yeah, you. Do you, you how, how does that work? Like you go around to like schools or high schools or what, what do you well, do? Well, a couple of friends of mine, yeah. Um, they reach out and uh, like for kids doing a project or something, I'll just go do it for them, you know? Yeah. But I have to be careful because, you know, for the young kids. But for the law enforcement, some I'll charge. Others, most of the time, you know, for my brothers in blue, no problem. I just... Fuck it, do it. Yeah. You know, yeah. Also, yeah, yeah, take this or do that. But I, it's hard for me because I know what a tough job it is out there. And yeah. especially today. Uh, and uh, I wish them, you know, the best of luck and, and to be safe out there. It's, yeah. it's, it's a rough life. Um, I mean, especially today. I mean, you have to have a, you know, body cameras, this, that, everything. Yeah. It's like, God, it's, it's you have to walk on eggshells trying to. It's it's a different way, but back, I'll tell you, I wouldn't give up anything, man. I, I do it all over again, exactly. I, I there's nothing, nothing that I would change, not a freaking thing, because it's been good to me. So and That's great. I'm enjoying it. That's awesome. And now you're down you're down south somewhere in Florida. And I see before we started, the whole sky was overcast. It's starting to break up. It's starting to get nice over there now. It's blue yeah, above your head. He knows now, the big boy knows that I wanted to go outside for a while, smoke a cigar. There you go. Enjoy yourself a nice little uh, a Ginzel and Stinker. That's awesome. I know. I know. Yeah. <laughs> Yo, um, man, listen. Thank you so much, man. Um, hey, no problem. I mean, there's a lot to go, and there's so much, but this was really nice. I appreciate it, and I want to thank my Italian brother there. Uh, I appreciate it very much. Nah, anytime, man. And listen, if you're bored at any time, well, you can call me whenever you want. I have your regular phone number, but just to shoot the shit. And if you, if you feel bored, and if you want to do this whenever you want again and get into some other stuff, it's all up to you. I'm, you have an open-door policy, Dom. I appreciate it. I want to know. I don't know if it's still recording, but you got to tell. Yeah. You got to let me know when this. So these other this, people. Uh, this this is gonna this is gonna air. I'm putting it up. It's gonna be on YouTube. This video is gonna be on YouTube. This video will also be. I'm gonna upload it to the Facebook group that you you know the the, the Brooklyn Blast Furnace group on Facebook. It's gonna go up there as well, and an audio version. Of obviously you can't see us, but just us talking will be up on iTunes and everywhere where everyone gets their podcast, Spotify, all of those things. So it's going to be up all over the place. So when I do post it, I'm going to post links to so you can just click on your phone or wherever you are, and it will send you to wherever you want to listen. So I'll tag you. I'll I'll, I'll make sure everybody that on all of your friends on Facebook and all that will be able to see. Everything. Well, I, I, I will make sure I let you know and let everybody know that this is coming up. 
And actually later on, I mean, we're on podcast time now, so people listening are listening on Tuesday. But I will put up um, the, I will edit the coming soon thing, and I will put up today the time and the date and everything so people will have a heads up. So it's a reminder so that on Tuesday, probably anywhere between like 10 in the morning and probably about 10 o'clock in the morning, I'll put it up. So start everyone's day in this quarantine if they're bored to have a, you know, listen to us shoot the shit, you know? I appreciate it, Jimmy, really. Uh, that was nice. I appreciate and enjoy talking to you. And yeah. I was really, I kept myself clean, no really bad, bad language, so it was pretty good for me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's all, you know, hey, listen, we talk how we talk. I don't try to be phony. And, yeah. you know, you can curse here and there. Sometimes it comes out, I don't curse to just to curse. I, that's just the way I talk. Me so, too. yeah, I mean, come on, you know. I'm born and raised in Brooklyn. What am I gonna do? <laughs> if I try, if I try to talk proper, people will smell, you know, sniff me right out. Like this guy, no, it's fake. They do. They tell me, hey, now you better be yourself because don't yeah. change. Yeah, there's, there's, we're well, gonna be somebody else. Come on, man. Like you said, you tell it how it is, and that's that, and that's a great quality about you know. Not a lot of people tell it how it is, so it's a beautiful thing. It's old school. Well, I got to look at it this way, too. I finally learned how to use Skype. You did. I had to walk you through it the other day. <laughs> um, you, you have an iPhone. I don't. So I'm trying to figure it out, this and that and the other thing. But look at that. You, I know. That's funny. I, I, I taught you something. Who would have thought that I'd teach you something? <laughs> Unbelievable. Appreciate it. Uh, absolutely, man. Thank you so much for your time. And we'll be in touch, man. I'll talk to you later on. I'll let you know what's going on. We'll absolutely be in touch. All right. Thank you. And the utmost respect to you and what you've done, man. For real. Thank I mean that. Good luck to you, too. Thanks, buddy. Take talk care. soon. Yes. We're over here now. <laughs>